0: David and Kristen back from Germany to visit. They're going to be here uh, all the way through the Bible conference. They're going to be going a lot of places. They're leaving here and going to uh, St. George, and they're going to go out to San Diego and visit Ben and his family and come all the way back. So they're going to see a lot of America in a short time. They want their kids not to be just German, right? See America. And also, Kyle and his parents are here today, and Kristen and Kyle's grandparents are here. So I hope you get a chance to meet them. And uh, say thank you to Russell. Russell is a World War, World War II veteran. They drove all the way out here from Illinois. That's, they make them strong. And uh, we appreciate them being here. Emma's going to get baptized with a lot of other young people today. So we're looking forward to that at the river. We, we encourage you. If you hadn't planned on coming, come, just come down to the river. We're going to have a wonderful time of fellowship. David's going to preach this morning. But before he does, Ben is going to come and get back in the saddle and quote... Romans chapter 8, right? Okay. Good
1: morning. morning. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew,
2: You bow your heads with me in prayer, our gracious God in heaven. We ask you now to open our hearts and our minds to to hear from you, Lord. We have just heard from you. We have heard your word spoken clearly. We ask you now to, through the power of your Spirit, to move in our hearts that we might be drawn close to you. And as the Scripture says, that you in your by the power of your Spirit, Lord would. By your word, conform us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, in your name, amen. It is a blessing to be with you here this morning, and uh, we've been in the States now for a little over, well, this is our second week now, and uh, so the jet lag's passed, and um, and what, it, what a joy it is to be here. Uh, for those of you that don't know us... Um, Kristen and I, or I'm the pastor of the International Baptist Church uh, in Cologne, Germany, and as well as the International Baptist Church of Bonn in Bonn, Germany, which has been going since uh, February now and will officially launch here in September. And so we're excited to, to see how God is working there. The International Baptist Church is a, a collection of churches, English, international English-speaking churches, not just only in Europe but throughout the whole world, and in our church, we have uh, something like uh, 54 nationalities represented. And so it is. when we say international, we, we really mean uh, it is very international. And uh, when you, we say we're English-speaking, it doesn't mean everyone's first language is English. And so communication gets interesting sometimes. But uh, we are excited that God has called us to that ministry and... Um, But we're happy to be here with you. You have prayed with us, prayed for us, and by God's grace, he is answering so many of those prayers, and he continues to work, and we're looking forward to seeing more of what God has planned for his church, not only in Germany, but also here in Laramie. I need a minute to turn my computer on, but if it doesn't turn on, then God does not want me to use these notes, so that's fine. I know the chapter. My hope, as I was praying about what to preach about today it uh, it became uh, it's difficult when you we stand in front of a crowd of people, and you know some people I know a lot of people here, but we haven't been in touch i don 't know what's going on in your life and and I write emails, so some of you at least know what's going on in mine. But I thought, you know when missionaries or people come from other places they they talk about their ministry and it's important because you 're praying and you want to hear what God is doing but as I began to pray, it was really clear that um, I really wanted to speak something to you as a church. I wanted God to speak through me to minister to you from his word. And, uh, and so the question to my mind was, what, what, what would I say to this church, this church that is so faithful, with faithful preachers and teachers who preach and, and, and disciple? And what would God lay on my heart To share with you, and the answer that I feel the Spirit gave me was, well, what have I been doing in your life lately? What have I been teaching you? And over the last, I don't even know how long, uh, I've been preaching through the book of Romans, and just a few weeks ago, uh, we finished chapter 9, or a couple weeks ago we finished 9, and I uh, spent a a couple months preaching through chapter 8, and it was Romans chapter 8 that God led me to preach during a very critical time, not only in the life of my church, but I believe in the life of me, David Martin, and, and my family and my wife. That it is the greatest, it's said to be the greatest chapter in the whole Bible. I don't know how you figure that out, but, but it is an amazing chapter that gives us real perspective into the heart of God and to the life of the believer, the reality of who we are uh, in Christ. And so I want to take time, and I'm only going to be... Yeah, it's not going to work, so we'll see what God has for us here. I'm only going to be looking at a few verses. I'm not preaching the entire chapter that Ben just quoted. Um, I'm only going to be looking at verses 9 through 11. And what I want to primarily focus on this morning is reminding us together that we have to have the right perspective as a Christian, which I believe Romans 8 gives us. If I'm going to be faithful in my walk, if I'm going to experience joy, if I'm going to be able to fight against the flesh and have victory over sin, there has to be an understanding that as a believer, I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in me. And so often as Christians, especially uh, when we grow up in in churches that faithfully preach the truth, we say these things as if it's just, it's good theology, we believe it in our minds, and we all sit here on Sunday and we speak the truth that, yes, Christians have the Holy Spirit, and we totally skip out on the potential, the, the power that is within us when we yield to the work of the Spirit in us, and the work, if Christ is in you, the work that is inevitably happening to you because of the power of Christ. There is a potential within us as Christians that we can't really fully imagine, nor do I feel we will, I believe, we will fully experience until we are in glory. As I was thinking about this, the potential power and life of the Spirit in us, I was reminded of a time when I was in high school, this illustration may be a little incriminating, but uh, my brother, Ben, owned a 1997 Z28 Camaro T-top, the white with the orange, it was sweet. And uh, and it just so happened that myself and two close friends of mine, Clayton Schultz, Derek Calling, had to... Uh, we had to do a physics project, and we decided we were going to go to the ski area and, and, and film something having to do with physics. It strikes me at this moment that the car we were driving was itself a physics experiment. But that being said, I said, Hey, Ben, can we borrow your car? I don't know what he was thinking. He was like, Yeah, sure. The most generous brother in the world, I've decided. So we get in the car, we drive up, and we do our little video, and it wasn't great. But uh, there we were, we get in the car, and there's three 17-year-old boys sitting in a Z-28 Camaro. Well, let's see what she can do. And I I don't know when we started timing it, but I think it was, I won't tell you how fast we were going, but, you know, Derek's in law enforcement now, so I... We went real fast. I think there was something like from Centennial to the Snowy Range exit was something like 17 minutes or something. So we were going pretty fast. And uh, the point to that illustration was we really wanted to experience not just sitting in the car and knowing it had potential. We wanted to experience the full potential of driving that Camaro. I've never driven that fast since, by the way. It just killed everything in me But to drive fast. But... Uh, And I thought about that, and I thought, how many times as Christians, we we forget so often that we have this amazing potential in us. Over 20 times in this chapter, the Holy Spirit's mentioned. This is a chapter about the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit's work to conform you to Jesus Christ. The power not only in you to live this life now, but the promise of resurrection life in the time to come. And yet as Christians, we live this life with the knowledge of knowing the Spirit is in us, but we live life with the brakes on all the time. Oh, I, know, I know the Spirit's in me, but you know, i got these other things to do. Well, I really want to be obedient to God, but well, you know I, I have responsibilities, and, and God knows that God knows that uh, I'm busy and, and we just live life with the brakes on, in our Christian life, and not really willing to trust the great and wonderful work that God is doing in us. And as a pastor, and you preach and teach these things, and you come to a place where you start getting tired, and this last year we've experienced trials where people you pour into just quit. Or people you thought loved you, you find out they've said some pretty horrible things about you. Maybe they're true, maybe they're not. You just don't like hearing them. And you sit, and you sit in your office, or you you sit together, and you just are in pain, and it hurts. Having the Holy Spirit in you doesn't numb the pain. And you begin to focus on the struggle, and you focus on these problems you're having. And then I go to the Word, and these verses, verses 9 through 11, spoke the truth to me that didn't necessarily take away the pain, but it it brought a brand new perspective into the calling of my life and the reality of what it means to be a child of God. In verse 9, he says, You, however, coming off of 7 and 8, those whose mind is set on the flesh, they do not please God, he says, they do not desire God, it does not submit to God's law, it cannot... Because there is no power. There is no power to submit to God's law when the Spirit is not in us. The mindset on death, the mindset on the flesh is death. They cannot please God. But he says, but you, Christian, these people in Rome, you, however, are not. You're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. There's two conditional statements he says there. If this is true, then this is your reality. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. We hear this word a lot, and if you, in fact you heard it a lot just now, as has been quoted, but as you read Romans and you look in other places in Scripture that being in the Spirit, and he actually says you're in the Spirit and the Spirit is in you, what, what does that even mean? Who's in who? He is talking about when we are in the Spirit, he's meaning we are, it is the regulating power in the life of the believer it is a law, not, not a law like the law that I broke when I sped, as in here is the law you have to live by and you have to submit to it. No, this regulating power that the, you are in the Spirit is the same thing as, I would say, gravity. It is a law that you don't try to live by. It is the power under which you live. You are controlled. Gravity works. We don't don't try to submit to that law. It happens to us. This is the regulating power of the Spirit. If you are in Christ today, the Spirit is in you. You are, as you are setting your mind on the Spirit, you are being controlled. It is the power that regulates and turns you and, and moves you in the direction that God wants to take you. Being in the Spirit is you being controlled by the Spirit of God who dwells in you. And so today, if the fact is, if you belong to Christ, the Spirit of God is in you. And if the Spirit of God is in you, He controls you. And you'd say, well, David, that doesn't quite look like my life. I make a lot of decisions I know God would not want me to make. I respond to things I know the Spirit would not... That's not the way the Holy Spirit wants me to respond. And all of chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8 of Romans is about that very fact. That although we are declared righteous because of faith, the righteousness of Christ is credited to us. It is over time in obedience to him that he is, through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, conforming us to that righteousness that he has granted to us by faith. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. This is why eight comes. chapter 8 comes after chapter 7. Do you ever feel like that? Man, the thing I want to do, I don't do, and the very thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing, and I want to do what's right. I know what God wants, but I don't do that. Wretched man that I am. And he says, I find it then to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And that's why he wrote eight. Because there is therefore now no condemnation. You are not condemned. You are not condemned based upon the sin you're struggling with because you have been set free by faith alone in Christ. His righteousness has been granted to you. You are seen through the eyes of God, dressed in the righteousness of Christ. And it is because of that that the Holy Spirit, the regulating power in you, is conforming you to that eternal reality. Conforming you to that reality. The fact is, if you are in the Spirit, or if you are in Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. This flies in the face of even very contemporary Christian churches that say, yeah, you get saved, but then later there's this other experience where you get the Spirit. And that's false, because Paul says here, who, he who has faith has the Spirit, period. He who has faith has the Spirit. And we do live in this flesh. We do struggle. And we just live life, and we get older, and things get harder. And he says here, because of, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, we live in this fallen state, in this flesh corrupted by sin, everyone is going to experience death at some point because of sin. He says in 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. This term is important to understand. Because if you interpret that to say, the Spirit is life because of my righteousness, as in, God saved me, he gave me his righteousness, now I'm righteous, and I have to kind of work to keep that righteousness, then we would equate your faith, your salvation, with how you think you're doing as a Christian. But that's not what Paul is saying. The Spirit is life because of the righteousness of Christ given to you by faith, it is on the basis of Christ's righteousness that you are set free from your sin and you are called a child of God. It is His righteousness granted to you. It is on the basis of His righteousness that the Spirit is even able to dwell in you. Because without it, you're a fallen, wicked sinner where God cannot dwell. But because of faith, He generously pours out, chapter 5, another great chapter. The, holy, the love of God has been poured out through the Spirit who he has given to you. That is his, that is his gift to you. That is, that is the gospel. Of all the things that we know about the character of God, I truly believe this, the character that is at the center of who he is is his love. He is a God of justice. He is holy. He is a God of wrath. He is patient. He is kind. He is long-suffering. The character of God is perfect in all of its form, but at the center of who God is, is his love. And his love is most magnified, is made most clear in the gospel. That he sent his only son in the likeness of flesh. He died for your sin. He paid your penalty What you deserved, he paid that for you. And then he rose again to proclaim that he is the victor over death and all who call upon him are set free from the power of sin and death. This is all of Romans. He doesn't just take something away from you, he gives you something. He gives you the righteousness, he gives you his spirit, he pours out his love. And it is that power, it is that reality that dwells in the life of every believer. And the Spirit is in us not because of our righteousness or how hard we work to be good enough for God. He dwells in us solely on the basis of Christ's righteousness. And the, the, I think that the real potential the power of the Spirit in us is wrapped up in verse 11. Another conditional statement. If if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Every year at Easter time, we focus on this one amazing, unfathomable reality that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified, dead, and buried. And then on the third day, Sunday morning, he was alive. He got up from the dead. And it says here he did it by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of God overpowered sin and death and Jesus was resurrected. This resurrection power. There's the potential of the life of every believer. We live with resurrection power within us. And it's not just for the resurrection in the future. We live with that potential today. We have the Holy Spirit in us. You have what it takes to overcome your sin, your struggle. You have what it takes to endure the trial you're going to, going through. Because you have resurrection power. You have the life of Christ living in you. The word dwell simply means he's taken up residence in your life. Now, it's, I I don't want to communicate here today because we know that, that somehow things are going to feel less painful or that somehow the trial is just going to disappear because now I've accepted that, yes, the spirit dwells in me. He has not given you the Spirit to give you a more comfortable life. He's not given you the Spirit to dodge trials. He's given you the Spirit so that you might endure the trial and be conformed by the power of the Spirit. Nothing that you do for God is by your own power. If you're going to endure a trial, if you're going to grow in your faith, if you're going to to withstand any persecution or sickness or illness you're going through, If you're you're going to make it through this life with your eyes on the Lord, you can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not your strength. You don't save you. You don't sanctify you. And you will not, and it will be not in your power that you experience future glory forever and ever with Jesus Christ. That is all the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And I say that because I was preaching through this chapter during the time and during a season where it wasn't easy to be a pastor. Oh, man, there are seasons where you just think nothing can go wrong. God's answering prayer. People are getting saved. We're seeing families restored. God working the life of believers to raise them up to, to, to teach and to lead others. And you think, oh, it's great. But there's a lot of seasons. There's a lot of, a lot of winters sometimes. There's, sometimes the winter gets long in ministry. Or you feel like you're preaching something. I can't tell you, there's been a few times I'm preaching my heart out. I think, man, this was, I think the church was just blessed today. Thank you, God. And you step down and someone says something to you and you, they didn't hear a thing. They didn't hear a thing. And you go home and you're just kind of winded. Mondays are like the worst days. Ask my wife, I'm like the most inconsolable person on Monday. I consider any other form of employment on Monday. (laughs) Because we get so focused on the situation and how bad it is, and we get, woe is me, and this is so hard, and I'm just not appreciated, and God, I just don't see where you're working. And then you come to this chapter and you go, wait a minute. I have lost perspective. I have lost the reality. Reality is not seen through my eyes and through my circum and how I see circumstances. True reality is only seen through the eyes of God who sees the beginning and the end and f- from him and through him and to him are all things and to him will be the glory forever and ever. There it is. I don't know what happened. I'm going to take this off, okay? All right. Sorry about that. You weren't prepared. I'm almost done anyway. I would like to close with two, two thoughts. I had four. I don't remember two of them. But uh, I have two still in my mind, so those are from the Lord. The first one is, I think as a church, be careful that you don't misrepresent the work of the Spirit in your life. And I say it this way. We hear prayers like this. And I've had to correct a few people in my church. They go, Lord, we just pray that you would send your Holy Spirit right now. Just pour out your spirit as if he's somewhere else and has to show up. Or we sing songs and we ask God to, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, pour out your love. Come with fire. It's like, oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> Don't forget that if you're in Christ, he already has taken up residence in your life. He's already here. You don't ask for more of the Spirit. You ask God to build your faith that you may live according to the Holy Spirit. That's the reality of being a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the truth about being a child of God. And secondly, I would close by saying this. He makes a few conditional statements here. That if the Spirit of God is in you, Or if you belong to Christ, the Spirit of God is in you. And so I would ask you this this morning. And I don't know if you've grown up in church. I don't know if you're a member of this church or this is your first time at Laramie Valley Chapel. But I would ask you the question, do you believe in that statement? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came and died on a cross and rose again? Do you believe in the gospel message? and the response that God calls you to, that you should repent, turn from your sin, and call upon Jesus to save you, is that something you truly believe to be true? Is that a, is that a fact for you, that the, your, God has given you the faith to believe that is truth? Because if you've never repented of your sin, if you've never truly called upon God in, in understanding the gift of the gospel, the gift of Jesus Christ if today's the first time that you've had to wrestle with that question, do I really believe this? I would ask you just to pray in the quietness of your own heart and say, God, is this true? And if you believe it's true, just where you sit, I would, I would, I would plead with you to ask God to forgive you of your sins and, and receive the gift of salvation that can only be found in Jesus Christ. The only thing that will sustain us as Christians in this life is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We need to stop looking everywhere else. He is the the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. But he says at the end there in verse 17, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. The Christian life comes with trials. But their trials That are with a purpose and with a future that is glorious with jesus christ let's pray together Lord, we thank you for your word lord my notes don't speak truth to people it's your word and i pray that today that in this moment that we have heard from your word and that you would apply it rightly to our lives and lord that we would be repenters of sin Lord, I pray that we as Christians would realize the potential power and life that exists in us, that we are living every day, whether we recognize it or not, we are being conformed and sustained by the power of the Spirit. And Lord, I pray we would yield our lives to it, that we would turn from sin. As Paul says in in, in Romans 6, that we would present our, our members, our bodies to righteousness And we can do that, Lord. We can do that because of the power of the Spirit in us. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for the gospel that says that all who believe, you will not turn away. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I pray that today would be the day of salvation for those who are here who have been presented with the question, do I believe that that Christ died and rose again? And if I call on him, he will save me. Or they would answer in faith. They would believe. Knowing that those who believe, Lord, those who call on you to be saved, the spirit is given to them. You take up residence in their life. And your love is poured out into them through your spirit. May that be the reality of people today. And may we as Christians live in the reality of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name amen please stand.